0: Good morning. Welcome to Word of Life Chapel. This morning, we're so glad that you are here celebrating the last day of 2017. Um, you know, it's so grateful that we can gather together this morning. Uh, a couple announcements to share with you this morning. First of all, movie on the wall on Saturday, January 20th. Uh, there'll be two movies shown. There's a sign-up sheet out in the fellowship hall. God's Not Dead 2 and Pete's Dragon. And it's not one after the other. They're running simultaneously. They're running at the same time. One downstairs for the children, one upstairs for the adults. Um, The Pre-K Junior Church um, is in need of some volunteers. Sarah English. Where is Sarah? Raise your hand real high. If you're interested, please talk to Sarah English. Dylan Bowman is gonna come and share about the Winter Needs Collection. Uh, Actually, just let him say. Come on up, Dylan.
1: morning. Recently, the teen and adult Sunday school classes have come together to think up ideas that we can carry out to show the love of Christ in Halifax and surrounding communities. I volunteered to lead the first of our projects, a winter needs collection for the homeless in the Halifax and Harrisburg areas. There's a fluctuating number, but last I heard, there was at least 400 homeless in Harris- the Harrisburg area alone. I met several of them on different occasions when I was with my Boy Scout troop in Isaiah 61 Ministries. And some of the homeless that came for help there were very kind people and had just fallen on hard times. I have a short video to share with you. you.
2: Look at me As ragged as a broken man can be Disappearing like a raindrop in the sea Sinking like a stone Look at me I ain't got a nickel's worth of pride. I'm busted, bruised, begging to survive. Down on bended knee, Jesus, look at me. I walk on the scene a hey, ghost, but it's got no. My desperate heart Cold and hard and dry up inside I'm dying on the vine Look at me I know it ain't an easy thing to do My desperate eyes I know they burn right through The comfort that you No place to hide. My desperate heart, cold and hard and dry up inside. I'm dying.
1: should be a flyer um, in, for the winter needs drive in your bulletins, it looks like this. It explains how we are collecting winter hats, coats, gloves, scarves, hand warmers, and blankets, and other winter needs that are similar, and other materials throughout Jan- the month of January. The only thing that isn't in the flyer that you all need to know is the drop-off locations for all the materials that are donated So far, we have drop-off bins at the Halifax Youth Center, Doughboy's Pizza, Valley Ag and Turf, Hornings Hardware, and here at Word of Life Chapel. There's a box in the coat room. And we're also accepting any other locations that you might all have if you know any. If you have any questions on anything that the project entails, you can just contact me via email, which you'll find on the flyer as well. Thank you in advance for all your contributions. Let's make this a successful drive and be the hands and feet of God. You guys don't clap for me
0: after my announcements. (laughs) No, well done, Dylan, really well done, and, um, you, know, you know, one of the most effective ways to spread this is through Facebook, so if you have Facebook, um, if you share the, uh, what, the the post that we have on our church Facebook page with all the things, it, it goes to so many people because then all of your friends see it, um, as of the other day, it had been on maybe 24 hours and it had been viewed by over 1,500 people, right, so... Um maybe if, if you have a Facebook page, you could go ahead and share that. Um, it shares all of this information, um, as well as you could take this and give it to somebody, right, someone that you know, someone that might be interested in doing that. Usually we have a bin that's going to be sitting outside of the old foyer. Um, it's inside today because of the snow that was blowing sideways uh, yesterday, um, but it will be put back out there again, and uh, you'll be able to donate there. And if you're a part of the church or come when the church is open, you're able to donate inside as well. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we are so thankful for your love for us. We're thankful that we can gather together to lift up your name. And Lord, we're thankful for, um, Father, for people like, like Dylan who, who have these ideas, Lord, who can go out and, Father, just really want to help those in need. And Lord, we ask that you would just bless this Winter Needs Drive, Lord, that you would provide. Father, you would provide coats and blankets, Lord, that the people that live out on the street, Lord, they might not be cold, Lord, that that we would be able to bless them, Father, with different things that they need. And, and Lord, I ask that this would be something that would spread beyond the walls of Word of Life Chapel, Lord, that it would be something that the Halifax community would get behind. Lord, we think of of the 400 people, at least, that, that Dylan mentioned, Lord, and we think of this upcoming week and how cold it's supposed to be. Lord, we ask that you would keep them safe, Father, keep them warm. Now, Lord, we ask that you prepare our hearts as we continue into our service this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us as we worship the Lord together?
3: See? your praises
4: Shepherds gaze in wonder, while angel voices sing. The night of nights has come, and brought the world their long away to king. The earth is filled with gladness, and yet the heavens weep. For heaven's eyes can see, He was born to die for me. Jesus. Baby Jesus, is that a tear in your eye? Jesus, sweet baby Jesus, you must know you were born to die. It must have broken God's heart, for the future he could see, yet he formed the hands and feet, knowing one day they'd be nailed to a tree. Him. this gift came from above, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. a tear of love in your eyes. Jesus, sweet baby Jesus, you knew you were born to die. for your gift of eternal life. Jesus, my Jesus, cause for me you were born.
0: All right. Could you open your bulletins and pull out this little slip that says, read scripture, read scripture, and then just hold it kind of up in the air so I can make sure that everybody got one and to make sure you're all looking at it. All right. Perfect. Thank you. Um, So we are starting this new thing called the New Testament Challenge. Um, The goal of it, the purpose of it is to get us as a family of believers at Word of Life Chapel into the Word of God. So if I would ask you this question, how many times did you read your Bible this week and you had to answer between one and seven as far as the days of the week go? I'm not going to ask you to do that. What would it be? What would it be? And for some of you, it would be seven. For some of you, it would be three. For some of you, it would be zero, right? But, but the important thing here is that we are all getting in the word. We are a family, And it's sometimes easy to forget, but if we are part of the body of Christ, we are family, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And and the Bible talks about how important it is to meditate on God's word, to make sure that we are reading the Bible. You know, I, I have this little theory, and it might not be true, but, you know, back when people didn't have their own copies of the Bible, they longed for it. They desired it. They wanted everything they could do about it. They were trying to find it. You think of the third world con- or the, the countries that uh, believers are persecuted in, who cannot have Bibles, and all they want is a Bible. But we are spoiled here in the United States of America, and we have a new living translation, an English standard version translation. You have it on your phone, you have it on your Amazon audio books, and it goes on and on and on, to the point where the Bible is not as special to us as it should be. And correct me if I'm wrong, I, I definitely might be, but that's kind of my theory. Many of us have many different translations of the Bible sitting at home. It doesn't matter how many copies of the Bible we have at home. It matters, are you getting in the Word? Are you getting in the Word? So, we are going to be starting this new thing called the New Testament Challenge. We are going to read through the New Testament together As a body of believers, it's going to take approximately 123 days of reading. We're splitting it up. And the cool thing is, again, we're a family. We're going to do this together. So if you have um, a tablet or a smartphone, there is an app you can download called the Read Scripture app. And it will actually has each day already separated and the reading already separated, as well as videos that go with certain days of the reading to explain things beyond what you might be reading. Sometimes, you know, you read Scripture, and it might be a little confusing. Well, some of these videos help with that. Um, The Read Scripture app is through Crazy Love Ministries. Francis Chan, if you've ever heard of Francis Chan before, it's one of the things that he does. Those of you who do not have a smartphone or tablet or prefer to read your hard copy of the Bible, next week and the week after, I'm going to have papers printed. They're going to be out in the foyer, and you pick one up and take it home with you, and it'll have each day— and what you need to read during that day. We're not only going to read through the New Testament, we're going to read through Psalms as well. Um, it's approximately 15 to 20 minutes of reading a day, six days a week and one day a week off. So I was talking to the teens downstairs because I love for the teens to be involved in Sunday school class with this as well, just as much as the service is involved. And, and I said to them, I said, you know, the real question comes down to this. Is God worth 15 to 20 minutes of your day? And you can answer that question for yourself. Is God worth 15 to 20 minutes of your day? And, and maybe you already have your own daily routine that you're involved in. You can add this to it, or you can do this instead. Um, but what we would like to see is a commitment. A commitment. This isn't so that I can call you the second day we start and say, did you read Matthew chapter 4? No, that's not it at all. Instead, it's you committing to being involved in this. Why do we need to commit to it? Well, If I say, I'm going to do this, but there's nobody keeping me accountable, there's nobody following up, it's easy to slip off. Again, we're a family. We do this as a family. So we're also asking that you find an accountability partner. You don't need to tell me who it is, but you find someone in the church that will tell you, hey, uh, how was your reading this week? Did you do what you're supposed to do this week? Not so that they can, I was telling the kids, it's not so that one of them can call the other and be like, I can't believe you did not read. That's not it at all. Instead, it's so that this person can go, let's say that Walker is my accountability partner, and I'm Walker's, and Walker just says, hey, Tony, are, are you reading this week? I say, ah, oh, I, I didn't get one of the days done. Well, that's, that's okay, man, but keep it up. I'm praying for you, and I know you can do it. I know you can do it. Along with this, we're also going to have a couple people from the church that will be blogging two days a week that go with the scriptures that you'll be reading. So this is going to be a lot of fun. And at the end of this, you'll have read through the whole New Testament, which is pretty cool. Which is pretty cool. And there's so much in the scripture. So I encourage you to take a look at this. Consider it. If you have any questions, feel free to talk to me. And uh,
3: we'll go from there.
5: I have a couple of folks that uh, we need to pray for this morning. Um, I was talking to Joyce Hoffman yesterday, and uh, she's on our prayer list. Um, she actually fell a couple of days ago. Nothing broken, but very sore, very bruised. And so please keep Joyce and Jean as well um, in your prayers. Uh, they miss us. We certainly miss them. Um, but they're getting up there in years, and their mobility and getting out and in, it's just not what it used to be. So please pray for Joyce and Gene, especially for Joyce who uh, has fallen and um, is very, very sore. Also keep John Strawhacker in prayer. For some of you, you know John. And maybe others you do not. Uh, we have him listed here under loved ones and friends. Um, he's in the Community General Hospital. Uh, that was the old osteopathic hospital in 279 for rehab. John had a blood infection a few weeks ago, went into his knee, went into his back, he had surgery on both, and now he's going through rehab. So John, um, he's going to get there, but boy, it's just a long, long road for John. And John is one of those rugged men, you know, who want to be outside hunting, and he's a welder, and um, hard for him to be in a hospital. Um, So pray for John. I'm sure he would greatly appreciate your prayers. I also have a note from Dorothea. Good to have Dorothea with us this morning. Um, She had knee surgery not that long ago, and she says, Dear church family, I want to thank everyone for their cards, their notes of encouragement, phone calls, text messages, and especially all your prayers for me since my latest knee replacement. I knew going into this that it would would not be easy because of my problems with medications. God is faithful and is continuing to bring me through yet another challenging ordeal, and strengthening me daily. However, I still have a lot of recovery ahead of me, and would appreciate uh, your continued prayers. Uh, Thank you all again. God is good all the time. Yes, all the time, God is good. Uh, Thank, or love through him, Dorothea Lebo. So continue to pray for Dorothea as she recovers from this knee replacement. So, Father, now as we come before your throne, we do thank you that you're a God who cares about us. Lord, you really do. As your children, you really love us and you really care for us. And so, Father, when we come before you, we know that, Lord, you're listening. We know that, Father, you are able to do above and beyond what we could ask or think. We thank you, Lord, for Answers to prayer on behalf of so many people who have recovered from illnesses and different things. But, Father, there's a few who continue to struggle. We pray for Dorothea. We ask, Lord, that you would help her now uh, to come to that full recovery. We're thankful that she's able to be with us this morning and uh, pray that, Lord, you would just touch her. We pray for John Strawhecker as well. Uh, Lord, here's a man who Uh, is very active, and Father, we know that a hospital stay is not um, something that he is very patient uh, to endure, but Father, we pray that uh, you would help him to go through this rehab and recover even quicker than maybe have been expected. Father, I think also of Joyce Hoffman. We thank you that, Father, you have watched over her and not having anything broken Uh, But, Father, she's very sore and bruised, and so we bring Joyce before you, as well as Jean, her husband. Uh, Father, we miss the Hoffmans, and we certainly pray that at some point, Lord, you would allow them to be able to join us once again. Uh, But in the meantime, Lord, I pray that they would know that uh, we love them and we pray for them and pray, Lord, that you would just watch over them in every and every way. Again, Father, we're thankful this morning for allowing us to come together. We are a family, as Pastor Tony has reminded us. We are part of the body of Christ. We are um, your children. Uh, And so, Father, we have a special relationship with one another. Uh, We call this our home, church. Father, we love the fellowship that you've allowed us to have as we do during the greeting time to be able to shake hands with those Lord who we haven't seen for a week. Uh, We thank you Lord that uh, we are um, a loving body of believers and pray Lord that you might uh, use us greatly uh, to minister to one another to pray for one another to encourage one another. This is what the church does and I thank you for allowing us all to be a part of this local body. Now, Father, we do ask that as we move into um, the preaching of your word, that, Father, you, by your spirit, might move into our hearts, move into our lives, into our minds, Lord, and shape us and mold us For, Father, we know it's your word that you use to help us to grow, to help us to mature. It's one of the reasons for the New Testament challenge. Lord, we need to get into your word because it's your word that is used to make us more like Jesus. So we pray, Lord, that you might remove the distractions, Lord, there are so many, and help us, Lord, to be able to focus on those things that are before us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to be talking this morning about the coming of Jesus. He came already uh, in a manger, but we believe that Jesus is coming again. And so we're going to sing about that. Hymn Hymn number 185, Lo, He Comes with Clouds Descending. Leonard, come and lead us, if you would, please. Yes, hymn number 185, and I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we sing this, then junior church folks can be dismissed.
2: 185. Lo, he comes with
5: So, I ask you, are you ready for Jesus to come back? Are you ready for Jesus to come back? Are you? Really? That was not planned. Jesus came the first time. We looked at that in the last couple of weeks. He came lying in a manger. He came humbly. But the Bible is quite clear when it states that Jesus, He will come again. That there will be a second coming. We as the church, we believe that there's what is called the rapture which means that Jesus is coming in the air. We don't know when, but we do know that he's coming for sure. And my question to you this morning is, are you really ready? At board meetings, we always have a time of devotion. We also follow that with a time of prayer. And so at board meetings on the third Thursday of each month, we pray for you. We pray for the needs of the people. We pray for those who are ill. But before that, we have a devotional time, a time in which we have a rotation. Uh, each of the deacons, they take a turn. And um, last time we met, uh, Ken Kaunan, although he's under the weather this morning, uh, it was his turn. And this was the verse that he read as he was talking about abiding in Christ, Remaining in Christ. In 1 John chapter 2, in verse 28, we read, And now, dear children, continue in Him. There's the idea of abiding in Him, remaining in Him. So that when He appears, Christ, we may be confident and unashamed before Him at His coming. So if we abide in Christ, if we remain in Him, if we continue in Him, when Jesus comes back, we will be unashamed. But what if we are not abiding in Him? What if we are, for some reason, we are living in sin? What if, for some reason, we are doing things that are wrong? What if, for some reason, we are in a wrong place? What if for some reason we are using wrong words? Will we be uncomfortable when Jesus comes back? Will we feel shame? And so I ask you, are you ready for Jesus to return? We're concluding this morning our series in the book of Mar- in, uh, the Synoptic Gospels. I said the Synoptic Gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And we looked at Matthew and we looked at Luke. And uh, in those two Gospels, we had the birth of Jesus foretold. And then we also looked last week at the birth of Jesus announced. Now we come to the book of Mark. Mark is interesting because he doesn't speak of the birth of Jesus. There's no great genealogy like in the book of Matthew. There's no announcement like we looked in the book of Luke. There's no details about his childhood. But Mark opens by introducing to us a man. Strange, maybe a bit weird. A man by the name of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is the forerunner of Jesus. John comes on the scene to announce that Jesus' public ministry is about to begin. That's his mission. That's what he is called to do. He goes before Jesus. He prepares the way for Jesus like a (laughs) snowplow. Didn't you love yesterday? No, some of you did. The snow, the cold, I guess it really is winter. But the snowplow came through and made a way for the cars to follow. John the Baptist is a forerunner he comes on the scene before Christ announcing his arrival, announcing that Jesus is about to come. So take your Bibles, if you would, and turn with me to the book of Mark. and Let's see what Mark has to say about the coming of Jesus. Mark begins this way. He says, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God... As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord and make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. What Mark does right here in the opening verse is he declares his intention. You know, when I have a wedding, um, we begin with pledges. Uh, The pledges are a declaration of intent. And so I say to the man who is about to become a husband, or uh, a groom. Um, I I say to the man, I, I say, will you take such and such to be your wedded wife? Will you love her? Will you honor her? Will you cherish her? If so, say, I will. And then I turn to the lady and I ask the same thing. And what this is, is a declaration of intent. They declare what their intentions are through this ceremony. Then I look to the man. And who is giving this woman to be married to this man? And the father says, her mother and I." He is declaring his consent. So the wedding begins by the two parties uh, declaring what they intend to do. The father then gives, declares what he's consenting to do, and then the ceremony continues. John, or, or Mark right up front, he declares his intention. What this book is all about, what I plan to write about, what you're going to read. He says it's the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, who is also the Son of God. Mark is going to write about Jesus, who is the Messiah, who is the Son of God. And this is what he intends to do. And he lets us know right up front. And then he goes into the whole business about John. Starting at verse 2, what we have here is a prophecy fulfilled. It's interesting because Mark, as I said, he he skips the birth narrative. And he kind of just jumps right into action. As a matter of fact, Mark is the gospel of action. One of the key words that runs all the way through Mark is immediately, immediately, immediately. This happens, then immediately this happens. It's a book that goes very quickly. And he speaks in verse 2 of the prophet Isaiah. Now Isaiah wrote 700 years prior to the coming of John the Baptist. 700 years prior to John's arrival, Isaiah writes. And he says that this one is going to be a messenger. He is going to be a voice. That was his calling. That's who John is. John is a messenger. That was his mission, to announce he was just the voice to tell people that Jesus is to arrive. Now, you know, someone asked me a little while ago, am I, am I staying up to watch the ball fall tonight? I said, are you kidding me? Those days are long, long gone. You know, we're, we're in bed at 10, sometimes even at 9 o'clock at night. Uh, we'll watch tomorrow the news and we'll see the ball and the pickle and the bologna and all those things that are going to drop but no we don't we don't stay up for any of that but you know there was a day when we would and I remember the day when I would stay up late to watch Johnny Carson remember Johnny Carson I think his I think that tonight's that show started like at 11 o'clock I mean it was really late but he used to enjoy that show and I see some of you shaking your I remember Johnny Carson Do you remember his sidekick, Ed McMahon, right? Now, what did Ed McMahon always say before Johnny came through the curtain? Some of you kids, you're saying, what in the world? (laughs) I have no idea what just went on for the last three minutes. Here's Johnny, right? You never saw Ed McMahon, you just heard his voice. All he was is a man who announced the coming of Johnny Carson. That's all John the Baptist is. John is an announcer. John is a voice, Isaiah tells us. He is a messenger. Out in the desert, out in the wilderness, out in this hot, dry climate, rocky, no trees, no seats, no padded pews. And yet it says that many, many came from all parts to hear John. You know, historians of that period tell us that many of the people during this time, many of the people during this time, in a spiritual sense, they they gave up on God. The world in a spiritual sense was lost in darkness because Between the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, and the first book in the New Testament, Matthew, there are 400 silent years in which God stopped speaking. He did not speak to the prophets so that the prophets could go to the people. God stopped speaking. There are 400 silent years between Old Testament and New Testament. And now there's a voice. Now for the first time after 400 years, there's a voice. And some believe that John was actually the last of the Old Testament prophets. A prophet is a voice. The voice of God Himself. And so, what caused all of these people to go out into the desert and listen to John? Well, the second point is this the prophet revealed. Look at verse 4. And so, John the Baptist, he appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. That was his message. That was John's message to the people. The condition of Israel was that the Jews were complacent. They're not worshiping. They're not serving God at this time. They're consumed with a form of dead religion. Instead of a very personal and fulfilling relationship with God, they were caught up in rituals and legalism. And so when we come to the New Testament, when we Read of those like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders who the Bible says were self-righteous. And Jesus had no kind words for this kind of, these kind of leaders. And now John shows up. In the midst of all of this, this awful condition in which Israel finds themselves, and John shows up and preaches a simple message, The message is repent. Repent. Change your mind about sin. Do a U-turn. Make a 180. You know, it's really the only message for an evil generation. It's the only message for an evil city like Nineveh. When Jonah was sent to Nineveh, a very wicked people. And the message was repent. John's message is repent. Not a very popular message today, is it? No one wants to hear that they're sinners and that you need to repent of those sins. People say, well, you certainly don't want to preach repentance in church. People, they, 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 they won't come. You need to make people feel comfortable. You need to Be more relevant about the social issues and be more understanding of those permissive lifestyles. Yet the message of the Bible is clear. Repent. Change your evil ways. The Bible says, For all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. That's why Jesus came. That's why his name was Jesus. Because he will come to save his people from their sins. And he's the only person who can do that. Jesus himself said, I am the way. And I am the truth. And I am the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only one who can wash away the sins of mankind. And has done that on the cross. Repent. Repent. Turn away from your sins and and turn to God. It's a very simple message that John had. Do a reversal. And then once you repent, John would walk with them down into the Jordan River and there they would be baptized. Baptism is a public testimony of an inward change. You repent and believe in Jesus and then you're to be baptized. John was an interesting guy, as I said, maybe a bit strange. He says he wore camel's hair, he had this leather belt around his waist, he was out in the wilderness eating locusts and wild honey. But John knew his role. John knew exactly what he was to do. John knew he was a forerunner. He knew he was the voice He knew he was second fiddle, preparing the hearts of the people to receive Jesus when he would come on the scene. You know, no one likes to be anymore second, right? No one wants to be second. Everybody wants to be number one. Thomas Wolfe, back in 1970, now listen, Thomas Wolfe, back in 1970, he identified the baby boomers as the me generation. I'm a baby boomer, we were identified back in 1970, we are the me generation, it's all about me. A couple years ago, Time Magazine, listen to this, on the cover of Time Magazine, declared the millennial generation, that's the young people today, as the me, me, me generation. And there's a picture, on the cover of Time Magazine with a young lady taking a selfie. The Oxford Dictionary in 2013 made selfie their official word of the year. The fact that the word selfie is even a part of our vocabulary says a lot about our culture. It's all about me. John the Baptist never took a selfie. (laughs) As a matter of fact, his camera was always pointed at Jesus. It was never about him. As a matter of fact, John the Baptist elsewhere, John chapter 3 said, He, Jesus, must increase, and I have to decrease. He must become greater, and I have to become less. John knew that his mission was over when Jesus came. That he has to fade out of the picture because one more powerful than me will come on the scenes. One who I am not even worthy to untie his sandals. But notice the promise that is declared in verse 7. This is what he said, and this was his message. After me, comes the one more powerful than I. See, it's not about me. It's about the one who is going to be coming after me. I am simply a voice. I am preparing the way for him. And they waited 400 years, the Jews. They've been waiting for 400 years, these silent years, for the Messiah. When will Messiah come? And he came. He came as a babe in a manger. And the promise was fulfilled. We have been waiting today 2,000 years for Jesus to come back. 2,000 years we've been waiting. But we also have a promise. In Revelation chapter 22 and verse 20, we read these words He who testifies to things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The words, Yes, I am coming soon, if you have a red letter edition, those words are in red, which means they're the very words of Jesus. That Jesus, at the very end of the Bible, the very last chapter of the Bible, Jesus says, I'm coming soon. And we say, what? Soon. It's been 2,000 years, and you haven't come back. Why? Why? didn't Jesus come back already? There's a verse in 2 Peter, and I want you to see it. 2 Peter chapter 3. In 2 Peter chapter 3, it says this, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like one day. So, two thousand years in God's mind, in His timetable, it's like two days. But let's read on. The Lord, He's not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. 2,000 years seems slow to me, but maybe I don't quite understand what is going on here. Instead, God is patient with you. You. God's patient with all of us. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Repentance. You know why Jesus hasn't come back yet? Because he's waiting on you to get about the business of being his witness. Because God is not willing that any should perish, and we are his ambassadors. We are his children. God has an assigned witnessing and sharing the gospel with the angels. That's our job. That's the job of the church. God, being not willing that any should perish, he's being patient with us. And he's saying, get on the stick. There are people out there that need to hear the gospel. And once you people as the church get on the ball and share the gospel with your friends and share the gospel with your family, then I'll come back. You see... We often think, oh, Jesus, come back so my problems can be solved. Jesus, come back so I don't have to have this pain anymore, and I don't need to be sorrowful anymore. And I, God, it's all about me. Come back for me. And Jesus says, wait a minute. It's not about you. It's not about you. You see, the baby boomers, it's a me generation. Millennials, it's a me, me. It's not about us. You know, the one thing you can't do when Jesus comes back is witness to your friend. The one thing that's taken away, right? When Jesus comes back, destinies are sealed. Heaven or hell. I had a man not too long ago. I was visiting him in the hospital. And I was looking down at him, and he looked up at me, and he said this to me. He said, I've been wanting to ask you a question for a long, long time. With tears in his eyes. This is what he said. He said, You remember that funeral you had back then? I said, Sure. He said, You never once said that that person was in heaven. I said, I couldn't because I didn't know. Now, this was a friend of his. And knowing that if he didn't accept Christ, he is now in a Christless eternity. You know, there was a theologian I read years ago. I can remember what he wrote. He said this. He said, a preacher should never preach on hell without tears in his eyes. I don't think we really grasp. I mean, we often talk about heaven, right? We don't understand heaven. To grasp the greatness but I don't think we really grasp what hell is like forever. God is not willing that any should perish, but some will. But it seems as though God is waiting for Jesus to come back, for us as the church to get on the ball, because when Jesus comes back, the opportunity is lost. There's no more witnessing. We used to sing a song in the old maroon hymn books, and uh, we used to go over in the fellowship hall. Now they're just used to kind of raise up flowers and stuff, but uh, there was an old, an old hymn in those old maroon hymn books, Work for the Night is Coming, When Man's Work is o'er." If you go back to an agricultural society, you know they couldn't work after dark. Um... You know, today, goodness, you know, people are working the you know, eleven to seven shift, and you have lights on your track, and you do all that after dark, I suppose. But you know, when 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 night would come, the work is over, and the whole song was about the coming of Jesus, that Jesus is coming back, but when He comes back, our work is done. We no longer have the opportunity to share the gospel with a friend, a family member, a coworker that work is over and destinies are set and sealed and so i ask you are you ready for jesus to come back are you have you done everything you know how to make sure that those people who you know have heard the sound of the gospel you see maybe We're not quite ready yet. Maybe there are a few things we still need to do. And I ask you yourself, you know, we spoke about repentance. Maybe there are a few things in your own life that need to be changed. Listen, I I hope that Jesus comes back next year. You know, 2000, that would be the greatest thing in the world. And I'm not saying we ought not get excited. I'm not saying we ought not to long for his coming. We ought not to to anticipate him coming tomorrow. We don't know that. But then I say, am I ready? Have I done everything I know how? Work today, for you see the night is coming when man's work is o'er. Father, we pause before you this morning knowing that tomorrow, Lord, we enter into a whole new year. Father, we don't know what the year will hold. We don't know what tomorrow brings. Goodness, Lord, we don't know what this afternoon brings. It's good that you have all these things in your hand And for that, we're thankful. Father, we know that Jesus is coming back. That we know for sure. Maybe not the day nor the hour, but Lord, we know that the day will come, the trumpet will sound, and we will be caught up to meet Jesus in the air. My prayer this morning for all of us, myself included, is that we would do what we need to do to get ready for that day to be prepared for that day. Lord, bring people to our minds that need to hear the gospel. Examine our own hearts, Lord. Will we feel comfortable at his coming? Will we be at the right place? Will we be saying the right things? Will we, Lord, be living the right life? We do say as Jesus, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But my prayer this morning is that we might be ready, really ready, whatever that looks like. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I think I kind of got off track there a little bit, Pete, with the whole uh, outline. But I do want to co- conclude with this. We, we've, uh, in the past, we've done responsive readings, um, You know, where I read, then you read, then I read, then you read. Um, that verse in Revelation chapter 22. I'd like to do that if, uh, if you can find that, Pete, if you didn't shut down yet. Um, is that the one or is there a bold print? You know what? Let me read it. <laughs> Let me read it. There it is. All right, you read the bold, I read the light, right? I start, you read the, the bold, I read the light. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with God's people. All right, thank you. Stand with me, if you would, please. Take your hymn books and turn to hymn number 183. 183. And um, we're going to sing this again to a Christmas carol. Um, Hard to let go of Christmas, isn't it? Uh, Hard to let go of Christmas. So uh, this song is actually going to be sung to the same tune as the song we just sang, Angels from the Realms of Glory. Christ is coming, let creation.
6: Christ is coming, let creation.
5: that is our prayer as well. We do want, Lord, for you to come back and come back soon. We know, Lord, the changes that will take place. We know all that will be involved. Lord, to be ushered into your very presence. What a wonderful time that will be. But Father, until that time, until that time, help us to be doing our Father's business. In Jesus' name.